The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yo, everybody, welcome to the Hacks and Jacks podcast. As you can see, it's just me, Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. I am without my better half, Joe Galena. We've had some personal life things come up in the way. That's why we haven't been able to record as much lately, but I am recording a little bit today. It won't be much, but I want to talk about 10 players I really struggled to rank and where I ranked them, and that's about my too early hitter list. That's going to be the top 200 hitters for two, for 2023. We call it too early because it really is too early. What probably the most difficult about this exercise is I don't have projections to rely on right now. One of the biggest tools I think you can use both in draft prep and in season is using those hitter projections that we get from places like steamer, the bat zips, those kinds of things. We really don't have those yet. So, uh, this exercise is a really fun one just because it makes me think about not only where do I want guys, you know, where do I want to rank guys, but also how will the community at large see these players, especially before we've all really had a time to look and digest what happened here in 2022. So I'm not going to go through all the rankings quite yet. I've got an article to do for that, but I do want to talk about 10 players that I really had a hard time ranking, where I ranked them, and what my thought process was. So I'm going to start with, uh, I'm really going to go from the top to the bottom. I'm going to have players ranked between 6th and 144th. I'm going to start with that sixth ranked hitter. That is Ronald Acuna Jr. He actually only finished 49th among hitters in 2022. I never expected Ronald Acuna Jr. to be that low on any player rater, especially in a season where he played more than 100 games. We've seen other seasons where he only played about 100 games and he finished much, much higher than 49th. And really, to me, the big surprise was the lack of power. He only hit 15 home runs in those 117 games. And he really only slugged 413. Now, Acuna Jr. is really going to turn 25 over the offseason. But the injuries he's racked up are pretty worrisome. And he's only had one season now in his major league career where he's appeared in 80% or more of his team's games. So he's really going to be this balance of upside versus downside. And how much is he going to play? How much power will he have when he does play? We know the speed is real. But... If he's a guy that can no longer hit 25 home runs, I think that really impacts his value in a negative way. And he doesn't have the kind of durability or a reliability factor that we see in a guy who I rank top overall, and that's Trey Turner. So uh, Acuna Jr. almost now feels like this dangerous version of Trey Turner, and that's not really what I expect. And I don't think that's what he's going to be forever. Again, he's turning 25 over the offseason. I think there's a bright future for him. But in terms of 2023, the risk is very, very real for Ronald Acuna Jr., 
another young player, even younger, who I ranked 29th, was Bobby Witt Jr. Now, I was rather surprised to see that a 20 home run, 30 stolen base season, which is what Bobby Witt Jr. did in 2022, only amounted to the 24th best hitter in fantasy. It's not like that's bad or anything, but if I told you 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, you'd probably expect a lot higher than that, especially for a guy who had a, who had an okay batting average. It's not like he hit 200. Uh, he was really kind of a a neutral batting average guy for you. Now, Bobby Wood Jr. ended the season on a high note in some respects. He started making much better contact and striking out less over the final month of the season. That's definitely something we wanted to see. We wanted to see that hit tool mature. Now, the problem is that Bobby Wood Jr.'s power really evaporated outside of this little 10-day outspurt he had near the end of August. And I'm not saying I'm worried about Bobby Witt Jr., mind you. I'm just really unsure what that final power number is going to be and if he has to trade some of that power for contact. Now, I don't think it's going to be something extreme like we saw with Alec Bohm, who pretty much completely gave up his power to make more contact. I don't think that's what Bobby Witt Jr. is going to do, but there is some development that needs to happen. He needs to be able to keep that quality. He needs to be able to keep the quality of contact while increasing the frequency of contact. Now, he's probably never going to be a 30 home run hitter, but keeping that 20 to 25 home runs along with that speed and improving that batting average could really make this ranking of 29th seem honestly much too low. But there are some legitimate concerns about what Bobby Witt Jr. can do from a power perspective in 2023. Gaia ranked 45th has, I think, more power coming. That is Stephen Kwan. If you read the batter's box at all, you know I just fell in love with Stephen Kwan over the last month of the season like a lot of people did. Stephen Kwan is what Luis Arias would look like if he could steal 19 bases. And while Stephen Kwan only hit six home runs in 2022, five of them came in the second half, three of them came in September. Quan's hit tool is elite. I mean, truly elite. Among the top five or so in the game, this was an 80-grade hit tool guy. I think Quan can translate that into more power as he continues to develop at the major league level. He's already a monster in points leagues, but I think Quan becomes a top 40 hitting staple by the end of the season. I definitely think he can break 10 home runs. I think he could even push for 15 while he steals 20-ish bases and, more importantly, hits 300, maybe even better. I love the guy, what he can do with the bat. I think the Guardians are going to continue to be a scrappy team, and one of the ways they have to do that is to run and make a lot of contact, something Stephen Kwan is perfect for. He'll be at the top of that batting order. He's going to score runs. I really like what I saw from Stephen Kwan. That's why I ranked him 45th. Right behind him is probably another guy who has as good or even better hit tool. That's Wander Franco, ranked him 46th. Now, again, Franco, elite hit tool, 80 grade, undeniable. But the power and speed are still a bit suspect for me and for the Rays, right? In 153 career games, Wander Franco has just 13 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Forget the hit streaks, forget all of that. It's still only 13 home runs and 10 stolen bases. And while you can account for some growth, particularly on the power side, it's hard to project Wander Franco clearing 20 home runs or 15 steals. So that fantasy value is going to be really dependent on batting average and runs scored. And while you can get a lot of fantasy juice out of that, uh, I'm actually slightly, as you can see, slightly less excited about what he can do for fantasy as opposed to Stephen Kwan. Now, Behind both of them at 47th, yeah, I rank these guys 45, 46, 47. Stephen Kwan, Wander Franco, then maybe the complete opposite of these guys, and that's O'Neal Cruz. I put him at 47. God, that might even be too low. The skills are superfluous. 
O'Neill Cruz hits it really, really hard. He runs really, really fast. He's really, really tall, and he throws it really, really hard. The kid is everything we want to see in a baseball player. He's tons of fun. Every time he's doing something, he's breaking stat cast or doing something crazy. Now, we projected Cruz to push for 20 home runs and 20 steals in 2022, but the Pirates took their sweet freaking time in calling him up. And when they did call up O'Neill Cruz, there were strikeouts galore. That was the big big story for the season struck out just every time you watched him. However, what excites me about O'Neill Cruz is how he closed the season. I know it's just a 10 game sample, but to see Cruz hit 357 with a one to one strikeout to walk ratio was incredible for what we had seen up until that point. He'd never shown anything like that. Something happened there. I think it's very real. And I think that there's a very real chance that he can get that strikeout rate below 30%, maybe even below 27% en route to a 2020 season with a neutral to, hey, maybe even almost plus batting average. Now, of course, that's the plus side. Of course, we know the downside. That's why I have to push him down my ranks a bit, keep him down at 47. Because, of course, if pitchers adjust and he's not able to adjust in kind, then he's going to see these huge batting average craters. O'Neill Cruz loves to swing the bat. And of course he does because he's really, really strong. So there's a big risk there, but the upside is just fantastic. We're going to take a big jump in the ranks now, uh, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. And we are back and we're going to jump about 50 points in the rankings. We're going to go to number 93. That is Tyler O'Neill. And after all of the injuries, the slumps, the ups and downs, Tyler O'Neill still finished the season with 14 home runs and 14 steals in 96 games, which over a full-ish season looks a lot like a 2020 player, but it's O'Neill's final 120 plate appearances that are going to draw the big attention. He hit eight home runs and six steals in that 31 game stretch while hitting 250 and showing strong plate discipline. Projections like Steamer and the Bat are going to have a big influence on where O'Neill is drafted. And I expect at least one of those projection systems to rank him as a top 50 hitter. Now, huge risk, right? We didn't just see injury, we saw slump, we saw all kinds of things going on with O'Neill. But if you just look at that 120 plate appearance sample at the end, and you shouldn't do this much, but if you extrapolate it, that's like a 40 home run guy, right? 40 home runs, 30 steals. I don't think he does that, but he showed that that what we saw in 2021 isn't a mirage. He has that ability. The question is how many games he can string together showing that kind of ability. We saw 31 of them last season. We'll need to see a lot more uh, to put him maybe where the projections want to rank him. So I rank him at 93. I think that's going to change as it goes on, but uh, very difficult player for me to rank and a very difficult guy to look at before we see those projections because look, they're smarter than us in a lot of ways. Now, number 99, a guy I love, Eugenio Suarez. A popular line I expect to hear this offseason will be that only three players have more home runs than Eugenio Suarez since the start of 2019. Pete Alonso, Aaron Judge, and Kyle Schwarber, guys who are going to be drafted much ahead of Eugenio Suarez. Now, the way Suarez gets to those home runs can be a bit ugly, right? We know the batting average can be very low. I don't think he's going to crater below 200 uh, like he did in 2021, but that 230 batting average that, that he had this season, that looks about right. Now, the Mariners are going to get better and better, and Suarez is under contract through 2024. So, while Suarez gets to those home runs in an ugly way, he's going to get to those 30 to 31 home runs. I think he's going to be hitting in the middle of that order, and I think he's going to have a legitimate shot this time at 90 RBI as the Mariners continue to strengthen as a team. I think Jared Kellenick's going to be better. I think 
Julio Rodriguez is going to be healthy and he's going to be better. This whole team has a lot to like in terms of lineup depth near the top. And I think Suarez will be in the middle of it. And I think that that batting average is going to scare off too many people because 30 home runs is not as easy as you think it is to get. Now, a guy I really, really uh, struggled to rank, but I'm really excited about, Jeremy Pena. I rank him 101, and a midseason slump actually put Pena on a ton of waiver wires last season, but he still finished as the 13th best shortstop for fantasy in 2022, thanks to 22 home runs and 11 stolen bases. He really bottomed out in mid-August, but then Pena really seemed to turn a corner, make some adjustments that helped him improve both the frequency and quality of his contact. He kept the ball off the ground, and assuming he Pena can continue to keep the ball off the ground. I think he's destined to land somewhere near the top of the order for the Astros in 2023. And those 20 home runs and 10 stolen bases could definitely come with 90 or more runs scored. That puts him much, much higher than this 101 I've got him ranked at. There is some risk there, but I really like what he showed at the end of the season, really climbing. I think he can make those adjustments quicker than he did in 2022, in 2023. And that's why I'm so excited about Jeremy Pena. 136 guy ranked there, John Birdie. So, Birdie only appeared in 102 games, but his 41 stolen bases led the league anyway. He was the only 40 stolen base guy in the league. He now he only hit four home runs and he had 28 RBI. That didn't do anyone any favors, but he still finished as the 121st best hitter in fantasy, and his team seems more willing than ever to give Birdie the green light. Now, of course, the return of Jazz Chisholm could of course, give John Birdie a difficult time getting in the lineup, but the Marlins are going to find ways to do it as long as he's healthy. He's going to bat somewhere in this lineup, and when he does, he's going to run. He'll often hit leadoff when he does play, and if he can play 120 games, especially in the 12-team league, you can replace the rest of it, but if you need stolen bases, I think there is no better asset that is available later in drafts than John Birdie. I think he's going to be a big target in leagues like NFBC, where stolen bases are such a big deal. Uh, The replacement value can get a little bit tough in deeper leagues, but 41 stolen bases is not a mirage. The guy has that kind of speed. It's just going to be a matter of how often does he play and how often do the Marlins let him run. And the Marlins, of course, seem very, very uh, happy letting him run because they're going to have to scrap their way to wins anyway. The last player I'm going to talk about in this short little podcast, Spencer Torkelson. Ranked him 144, and batting average has really been an issue for Tork since he hit AAA and the majors, but Torkelson was one of the best college hitters of the last decade. I know he can turn that around. There's a real hit tool there. True Torque should be a guy who hits 30 home runs with at least a neutral batting average, probably a plus one. Now, there's a considerable discount coming after Torkelson struggled through his entire rookie campaign. I don't have anything where I can say that, oh, in the last month he did this, or we really saw these changes. I mean, the plate discipline got better, but he's going to be a late round flyer. He struggled the entire rookie year, but this was only Torkelson's second year of professional baseball. Growing pains are not unusual at that stage of development, especially when you're doing that development in the highest levels. I think the upside is very real. I don't know if he hits 30 home runs this coming season, but that's in there somewhere. It could be next season, could be 2024, but we're going to see big growth, I think, from Spencer Torkelson. And you know I couldn't get through this little podcast without talking about one of my Tigers. Had to do it. So uh, I really appreciate you listening through. I will give you those ranks again real quick. You'll see them again on Wednesday when I release the too early, too early hitter list for 2023. But it's Ronald Acuna Jr., sixth because I'm worried about that durability and I'm worried about that power. 
Bobby Witt Jr., 29. I was worried. I'm loving what I saw with the contact. A little worried about the power outage at the end of the season. I'm hoping he's able to balance that quality of contact and frequency of contact. That very, I mean, it's obviously a very difficult thing to do, but I think he can do it. There's just a little bit more risk in there than you might think for a guy that went 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases for his rookie season. Stephen Kwan at 45. I just think that he's a better version of the Luis Arias and Jeff McNeils because he can steal 20 bases, and I definitely think he can hit 10 to 15 home runs. Monster in points leagues. I wanted to push Stephen Kwan much higher than this, but I'm trying to be a little bit muted. I think he could be a big-time asset, and he's going to be undervalued in early drafts, I think. Wander Franco, obviously the elite prospect. I rank him 46 because of that elite hit tool, but I'm just really concerned about the lack of speed and the lack of power. It's hard to generate a lot of fantasy value when all you do is batting average and runs scored. That's why I rank him just behind Stephen Kwan, and I hope that we can see a better version of Wander Franco that hits more like 20 home runs, maybe steals 10 bases, and also hits 300, but that remains to be seen. So until then, I rank him inside my top 50, but just barely. And then O'Neill Cruz at 47 because he's got all the skills in the world. At the very end of the season, he showed us some really nice plate discipline, that one-to-one walk strikeout to walk ratio, again, in only a 10-game sample. But I do think he can hit 250 or so. I think he can have 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, or more. The guy has elite skills, so I'm really excited about O'Neill Cruz. Tyler O'Neill at 93 because of the injuries, the slumps. But that, those eight home runs, and six steals in a 31-game stretch at the end of the season, batting 250. He showed us that he can be that elite player. It's just going to be a matter of how long can he be an elite player at any point in the season. So very difficult to see where he's going to land. So I ranked him 93. Eugenio Suarez, because he got a ton of power. Yeah, the batting average stinks, but I think the RBI are going to be better on a young, improving Mariners team. John Birdie at one... Uh, I'm sorry. Jeremy Pena at 101. Uh, just because he had that midseason slump, but I love the way he adjusted. I think he's 20 home runs, 10 steals, and I think the batting average will be a lot better. I think he could get 90 runs scored or more. John Birdie at 136 because he steals a you know just a crap ton of bases, and at some point you got to rank a guy like that. He did finish 121st in fantasy last season as a hitter, so I think that there's some definite upside there. He could even finish in top 100 if he plays a full year, but again, it's all going to be about how much he steals. And then Spencer Torkelson, because I just believe in the potential of that bat. I think that it was a down year, but it's only a second year in the pros and that there's a big boost coming and you're not going to have to pay much for it on draft day. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this really abbreviated episode of Hacks and Jacks as we lead up to the two early hitter list. We'll be back in two weeks or so uh, with me and Joe, hopefully, so you get a much better podcast and much more quality. And of course, his wonderful voice opening up instead of just me ranting at you. But I'm glad you stuck with me. I'm glad you listened, and I hope you have a great rest of your day, great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>